हेलो वेलकम टू द हिंदू पार्ले पॉडकास्ट दिस इज शिव सहाय फ्रॉम द हिंदू With me are two guests, uh, Professor Surujit C. Mukhopadhyay and author and journalist Sandeep Roy. Over the next few minutes, we are going to discuss an interesting issue: Has the Bhadralok culture in West Bengal faded, or is on a decline? Let me put the first question: What is this culture? You know, it's very difficult to explain it to somebody who is not from the state. Is it an imagined idea or an elitist concept, uh, or is it just a cultural cliche? And what reflections do we find on the ground uh, about it, may politically, culturally? So I would love to hear uh, from you, please. Uh, you see, the Bajrolok historically composed was composed of three castes. Uh, the three castes which are available in Bengal, the Brahmin. the vaidya and the uh, the kaistha so these are the three castes which uh, would be in caste terms the bhadralok and it and it evolves through colonial intervention in the sense that uh, the caste transforms into what we call in sociology a status group so people from other caste could theoretically speaking like in class join the bhadralok if they had certain kind of attributes now if you take it literally it just means being gentlemanly right to be bhadro is to be gentleman the opposite of which is a chotralok now if you look at again the caste uh, combination of the chotralok then there are people who belong to the so called shudras and the namoshudras and the outcasts but in in everyday parlance as it evolves right especially as i said through the colonial intervention and also because of the way in which the reforms in bengal took place there were certain normative discourses emerging which became the more kind of defining feature of the bhadralok so on an everyday basis we can say you are not behaving like a bhadralok you are not conforming to certain normative ideals and these ideals are applicable both in public sphere as well as in the private sphere so when we are let us say going out uh, you know in a in a train or in a bus or, a, or walking in the street we are supposed to maintain certain normative you know rules certain normative ideas of walking enjoying the ride together you know occupying the same space etc and we violate that then we violate a normative rule so the bhadralok in that sense is a normative uh, you know discourse uh, beginning with caste but not necessarily confined to caste so let's put it this way uh, mr roy uh, we'll love to hear your views yeah i mean i would absolutely agree that uh, bhadralok is about caste but not limited to caste as in you can have people from the upper caste who are not bhadralok and other people can aspire to become bhadraloks but it is definitely a very uh, bengali and you could almost say an elitist construct in the same way in the same way that bengalis like to divide the world into bengalis and non bengalis and they are the only people in india who do so they similarly divide the world into bhadralok and actually its counterpart chotralok which we don't often think about i mean we don't often think that when we are calling ourselves bhadralok 
that that there that we are by default calling people who are not of our sort of class and educational background as uh, as a choto look and i remember that the the writer um monoranjan bapari you know, an award winning writer now a politician he used to always complain uh, he was he would say that i i was never read by the bhadra lok because i am the choto lok which you could sort of translate as subaltern you know they would see me with a, with a gamcha around my neck and wonder how could somebody like me write books so so you are sort of invisible to that bhadra lok elite and that is something and to going to your uh, question shift i mean i think because the bhadra lok by way of its education i mean it is very much a comes from the colonial construct because bhadro as as we were saying means is about manners and it was that babu who knew the man, who knew had the proper manners and could engage with the colonial masters was influenced by you know the brahmo renaissance and all of that was happening so all of that played into construction of the bhadro lok and they could erect these walls by which they could keep the other people out now with the way politics has evolved in this state um the all the other people actually probably count for much more in the voting on the voting thing than the sort of than the bhadralokhs in in kolkata so even though they culturally they maintain a kind of still maintain a kind of monopoly in real terms they don't which is why i mean 30 years ago uh most people in most bhadralok in kolkata would have no idea that there were uh um, groups like uh, rajbongshi and matua and all and that politicians are now going after them to you know as as a voting block and thing most people would not have any idea they would say what are those you know what kind of surnames are those so that has the reality on the ground has changed um the bhadralok will still cling to the bhadralok spheres like the calcutta club or bengal club and and restrict entry to that but their relevance is obviously changed by the sheer demographics of what is going around them and it's worth noticing that when noting that when mamata banerjee first came on to the scene the big thing against her was that she was not bhadro lok or bhadro mohila enough as compared to her predecessor buddhadev bhattacharya who was translating russian poetry and so was like a quintessential starch bhadro lok right so uh, you know we uh, get a idea is that it is it is a uh, is a concept and starts from caste but uh, you know when we look at there is a slide in the cultural aspect you know the cinema uh, the cinema which we are which is being produced here the books and you know you refer to the political situation the political situation is also not uh, great that we can boast boast of particularly the violence so if there has been a slide when did this slide happen and what triggered it yeah i would agree with what where sandeep left off i think that the demographics have overtaken the bhadralok you know joya tadji a very uh, important historian of our times uh, she has a very definitive work on the bhadralok and uh, joya says that the bhadralok's era is over and i would like to agree with that uh for a simple reason if you look at the bengal uh, societal power hierarchy uh, politically maybe still the bhadralok is in around political power but they had never enjoyed economic power the bhadralok when they were settled in by the colonial uh, dispensation 
uh, did not know how to grab on to political power, which is ironic because you know the Indian National Congress begins with the Bhadra Lokesh and Banerjee and all that kind of stuff, and uh, freedom struggle was obviously dominated by uh, Bengalis, and, and and the leadership was with Bhadra Lokesh. But post independence, you don't see any Bhadralok in that sense uh, or, or people uh, who are commanding the heights of the economy simply because they had no clue about the economy. Now, once 1991 kicks in, you know, the liberal economy era or what we now know as the neoliberal era, you see, it's all lost because now, as uh, you know, this philosopher Michael Sandel says, we have moved from a market economy to a market society. And at the same time, I would also say that we have also moved from the elite concept of what democracy is to a more kind of rough and tumble of, of democracy, a very messy democracy, in, in which the subaltern uh, and others who relate to the subalterns have found their place. And rightly so, because that is democracy. I mean, after all, you, you, you can't have an elitist uh, idea of democracy and still call it a democracy. So if you say slide back, well, that's, that's, that, that's a value you are adding. You're saying that, you know, they should have continued. And that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Because you see, uh, you know, one thing is constant in society, which is change. You, you can't hold on to something that began with Ramon Roy, with Dashagor uh, reforms, uh, learning of English, uh, the coming of age of the mercantile banks, etc., where the Bengalis would be uh, absorbed and employed, right up to Assam, you know, in the tea gardens. You see, you see, all of these were controlled in the sense by managerial uh, classes who were not, you know, uh, uh, very different from the Vadolok uh, Bengali. So this professional kind of aspect. I mean, I mean, you know, they are now comp- in in a competitive world. And so, therefore, to say that there is a slide uh, back, I would say presumes that it could have held its own and that it, the status quo could have held on its own and would have gone forward, which I don't think happens. Number two, you know, the rough and tumble of democracy, which I talk about. I mean, there are many other groups, like as Sundip said, the Matuas, the Rajbongshis, the coach and others, they're all saying, well, you know, we're putting up our hands, you know, we are there. And we are here to stay, and this is a kind of our region we, where we are dominant, and therefore what we say should count. And I think that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And I, I think the trigger for that would have been the Gorkha movement in the hills in the 80s and, and right up to the early 90s. The Gorkha is saying, we are Gorkhas, all right? Not only Nepalese, but we are Gorkhas, very important. And they were making a distinction between the Nepal. So identity politics, as we say, has become very important uh, competitor to Bhadraluk. So the status group, the Bhadraluk status group, is confronted by identities. And identities are multiple identities. I mean, you know, I can be a coach and be a Bengali, or I can be a coach and be an SMEs, or, you know, I can be a, a, a tribal and, and see myself as belonging to uh, the Santal Parganas, which is neither Jharkhand nor Bengal, but that's my ancestral land. Uh, it's how I privilege my identity. So so identity politics has become a reality, right? And on the one hand, and on the other, the third aspect, as, as I hinted, is that we have become a market uh, society. Everything is transactional. 
And therefore, people with much more money power will obviously overwhelm the, Beng- the Bengali uh, Bhadralok because the Bengali Bhadralok never had money to begin with, right? It had a cultural capital, a cultural capital. And it used this cultural capital for a long period of time. And I'm, I would say is is brilliant that for a long period of time, such a long period of time, that cultural capital uh, could be held on to uh, by 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 the people who were uh, creating that capital and holding on to it, right? And I see the last of the Mohicans would be, let's say, if you talk about films, is Sotajit Rai. You know, if you if you look at any one of his cinema, and there is this very distinct Bhadralok thing that comes up. I mean, you know, if, let's say the detective novel uh, where Feluda is a detective, yes, right? Th- that is the point I, I would, uh, you know, that, you know, ask Sundeep, uh, uh, Sundeep Babu to, you know, intervene and as to what uh, he feels about whether there has been a stride or a yeah, status sure. quo could have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anytime I'm asked to say anything that relates to Shotsujit Rai, I, I always have to clarify, especially to people who can't see you as in a podcast. Yes. That I am from yes. Detroit, but I am not his son. Not his son. son. Yes. Which in a city like Kolkata, in a Bhadralok city like Kolkata, it leads to profound disappointment many times where people are expecting, <laughs> expecting no, you, a quintessential you... Bhadralok son. To right. but, right. but, but I am not uh, that from Detroit. But that is a, a, a good point. I think uh, what Shurujit uh, was saying, they... Somehow, that it was always about cultural capital. In fact, the Bhadralok was supposed to be the stereotypically, notoriously, um, you know, turned up their nose at money. And, uh, and you know, there was always the accusation that the Bhadralok, because it had, they had come from a class of people who had been trained by the British to be, be go-betweens managers, were better at executing things than in making money, establishing businesses and, and doing all of that. And, and I think a lot of people thought of someone like Pranob Mukherjee, our former president, as the quintessential Bhadralok, who by sheer dint of survival had, you know, had such a long and illustrious career in politics. You know, he had lasted through so many different uh, people and, and managed to have the year of so many different dispensations. Now, in terms of the cultural uh, slide, I think nothing uh, characterizes this more than the fact that at the same time as there is still enormous nostalgia and romanticization of, say, Shotsujit uh, Rai, and maybe, if, if I, I draw an extension from the Shurajit, maybe Rituparno Ghosh in the brief career was regarded as in recent times as the one who could have taken Shotsujit Rai's mantle. But in a sense, all, all of this is about people keep looking for another Shotsujit Rai type person. You know, we hold that as the benchmark, even though, I I mean, it, it's up for debate as to whether if a, if someone of Shotsujit Rai's Bajralok sensibilities was making his films now, whether they would be enormously popular or not, because the culture and society has moved on, as is evident from the fact that during that last election campaign, the communists who had sneered at Mamata Banerjee's lack of Bhadralok skills and her epang-jopang type 
poem. Yes. And, yes. You know, they, they, as their anthem, they selected this very sort of raunchy song called Tumpatona. I mean, you you could imagine uh, Jyoti Babu turning in his grave if he was in a grave. Also, he heard, had saying, what is like, going on? Well, as if what is Tumpatona. So, yes, in a sense, yeah. everybody has read the writing on the wall that, you know, we, we, can, we can do our Shurtojit Rai puja if we need to. And, you know, celebrate his centenary and be very worshipful of the fact. But in terms of what is going to play on the field and get you power, it is probably going to be more like a Tumpashana. Right. So, you know, we'll uh, go back to the first thing which you said. So, you know, do we, at this moment, do we need to look at uh, Bengal from the narrow prism of Badrulok and exclude the kind of majority of population as both of you are suggesting? And uh, is it is it the time, or have we actually moved away from that cultural cliche, or you know, just by uh, uh, focusing on one segment of population also, has we have we you know have people done, or have we done a kind of you know disservice to the huge diversity? As we were telling that we have we have different multiple identities, coach, Rajbongshis, people in in tribal population, the Gurkhas, and, and, and so many people. So has this term lived its life and now, you know, we can do away with this? Uh, well, whether we want to do away or not, it doesn't depend on us. We don't, we are not agents of change in that sense. I mean, it, it happens, it evolves, it overwhelms us at times, and then we become both perpetrators and victims, both at the same time. Now, I mean, as I said, you know, the cultural capital that the uh, Badrulok had uh, uh, has been stretched. And, and, and it, for the last century or so, it, is, it has held uh, enormous power, which is what we call in one word hegemony. So the, so the Badrulok had hegemony, right? But it doesn't have, it is, but hegemony without power. Because today, the, the very epicenter of power is the economy is people who are becoming so-called entrepreneurs. Look at universities, where I am been there for now 35 years teaching in universities, I, the only place I have ever worked. And I would have been shocked even 10 years ago if people said, well, the university has a duty to place its students in the market. I mean, what could, what's got the university to do with the market? The university right. is not a placement agency. Now, you're offering courses which are skill-based you know, based, and you're exploring skills rather than education. So it's changed. And you will have people who, you know, the universities, you know, the private universities are saying, you know, we empower our students to become entrepreneurs, right? So this is the new buzzword, right? People are, 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 are doing good uh, in the in the in the field, well, well, whether they are really doing good or not is not a question. Is the impression is that we are doing good in the field, and that there is merit in that. So we are not going to challenge inequalities. Now, one of the aspects of the Bhadralok culture, which one of the aspects, I mean, one of the, uh, I would say, major source of the Bhadralok discourse comes from its political sense and its political sensibilities about equality, inequality, the idea of living a life, what it is to be, you know, uh, a, a human being with all its virtues and faults and foibles. And, and in, in that kind of a uh, world, which was imagined, 
right? The idea of a scholar, uh, which to which many Bhattalok would have uh, moved over, uh, doesn't conform to what we are now doing in, 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 the, in the modern university or the contemporary university. Modern, we are all in modernity, but in contemporary universities. So I think the goalposts have been changed. And, and you've seen a decline of one kind of a social hegemony. And I'm yeah. quite sure that it will be replaced by another kind of a hegemony. Another because, you know, right. Yes, nature abhors a vacuum. Right, right. And I, I would just add there, um, I mm. agree, um, and but I would say cultural, that kind of cultural power that has lasted for this long a period is yes. never going to vanish overnight. Completely. For, yes. for, other, for other people also, it remains aspirational in a certain sense. You want to Absolutely. enjoy that kind of cultural power over people's minds when you even though you you might have you might have money power now or political power now and that is evident from the fact shift that uh, you know we are having this discussion right here and i assume i'm going to make an assumption about professor mukhopadhyay but we are both bhadralogs talking yeah yeah yeah, yeah, talking. yeah, yeah. I, so, I you know, so, so we are still monopolizing this discussion, at least, which, <laughs> yes. which shows yes. that, you know, that this kind of, this kind of thing will not change uh, that quickly. I mean, this yes. is the Bodrolo, and the Bodrolo does not, you know, it's across all political parties, uh, you know, so whether it's a Shapun Gupta writing an editorial somewhere, or it is a Buddha Babu in the Communists, or, or you know, even uh, one of uh, Trinamul's... Shogotorai uh, writing. They are at, at some level, parties still want that Bhadralok face to be out there because that's regarded as sort of genteel and you feel, um, you know, you feel like voters are still expecting that. So I think that power is definitely diminished in real terms, but the hold that it has over people's minds is still very still much there. there. Yeah, I agree with uh, Sandeep. I mean, I, I, I mean, the very fact that Sandeep was a good clue, Mamata writes poetry. Well, why would yeah. a person who writes poetry uh, and that kind of a poetry, which we, which I still would say, uh, as a person who reads literature, uh, is not literature, all right? So why would she write that? Because I think that the social capital, she would like to be seen as also participation, participating in that social capital, uh, the rich tapestry of Bengali culture. So she's saying, I'm going. I've written so many books. I have. I've painted I, and all that. Yeah. Brownie points are the brownie points are there, and 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 nothing dies out. So, I think it transforms itself into some kind of other another thing which will emerge. So, when we discuss, you know, uh, this decline of the uh, the dominance of Bengal in cultural field, you know, we discuss Satyajit way, but you know, in terms of writers and all that, is it because of very political? It's a political idea. The state has been ruled by opposition for the past five decades. So, you know, is it a way that, that when wherever this decline of Bengal in terms of culture, literature and politics come, is it a very political idea as, you know, raised by opposition or something? Because the state has not been mainstream, you know, it, 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 it has been a part of mainstream politics but opposition has ruled it for five six decades so what do you 
think about this you know whenever we discuss the decline this is a counter argument uh, to to the whole thing that there has been a decline and there is a decline now i mean for example let us say that once gokhil said that what india thinks uh, tomorrow i mean bengal what bengal thinks today india will think tomorrow uh, and what, one of the interesting questions being asked in upsc runs when we were you know young people in the 80s in delhi uh, how do you defend that you don't defend that because you can't the idea is that you know after the independence the government had to be even handed did uh, give a lot of you know did a lot of distribution in areas where the british colonial powers had not touched so apart from the bengal presidency madras presidency and bombay presidency there was a, there was another huge india which the new india had uh, you know uh, emerged so in, in similar form you, you know i mean you you as i said you cannot carry on with one kind of uh, an inertia it has to change very importantly even if the congress was in power and even now that trinamool is there which is I mean, I, as I said, a very watered-down opposition in that sense. I mean, there is something called identity, which we were talking about a little while back, which marks these kind of places, like you know, like West Bengal, like Assam, like Kerala, like Tamil Nadu. You know, I mean, you can have national national parties there, but they would have characteristics of their own. You know, so that that identity, vis-a-vis a hegemonic Hindi belt, so-called. hegemonic which i mean hegemonic because they have managed to erase bhojpuri maithili avadhi chatisgarhi so uh, and, and and impose hindi so so it looks a huge kind of uh, you know undifferentiated mass of hindi speakers which is not really in in linguistic terms but it does and therefore the more you hegemonize the hindi belt the more you would have people in bengal and in assam in tamil nadu in uh, in kerala in other parts who who would through national and state politics articulate a kind of identity so this opposition has two levels i mean one uh, are you are you distributing the goods and services equally which is also a kind of uh, argument which has been given center state relations and how do you talk about freight how do you talk about uh, oil etc look the assam movement started with oil you know you're taking our oil away you 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 taking our you know teak wood away so so you know resource our resource yeah. and, and right. are you compensating right. for that and on the other hand you know my identity as a bengali i'm a bangla speaker am i going to get lost in the hindi heartland so so i, right, I understand right. these, these 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 concerns are there right yeah uh, mr roy uh, yeah i would uh, we would just uh, you know uh, like your views on that yeah i think i i totally agree with what shrujit is saying here in that in the sense that um that the identity is very important as as the bjp learned in the last election uh, in bengal uh, but when they sort of miscalculated the amount of attachment they right. have to this identity and to go back to the larger topic of this discussion i think the bhadralok played for better or for worse played an enormous role in shaping that identity the identity of what it means to be a bengali today is largely has been created formulated shaped articulated by bhadralok so when when uh, mamata banerji rises up to defend uh, bengal against Uh, she uses those same tropes from the identity you know she uses her robindranath and her vivekanando and her uh, jagadish bosh or whoever those rule and she she uses these icons which were very much part of this bhadralok milieu 
now whether as we said if change is the only constant whether there will be an identity of bengal which will define a new kind of bhadralok which will be a more encompassing one that which will be more reflective of the larger and more diverse reality of the state that remains to be seen and that's where it will be the test to see if the bhadralok identity is itself stuck in time or if there can be a bhadralok that will evolve with the time and you know and will be include others and not necessarily be about a bhadralok chotolok divide anymore but just as a bhadralok as somebody who is somewhat more cosmopolitan open to the world you know is able to think outside the box and all of those things that marked it at one time right this new identity what is at the core of it is politics at the core of it is uh, is is political identity at the core of it what what do you think you know this evolution and this uh, loosening of earlier identities there what what forms the basis of it uh, what is at the core of the you know, identity of course politics yes you know everything everything in this world is political whether whether that highway which goes next to my house would be you know widened or not widened or whether you know i can get uh, cooking gas or subsidy or i pay a higher price everything is politically decided now that's one side of the story the other side of the story is identity is also impact politics as i was saying you know when i say you know i'm from bengal and i'm looking at uh, hindi heartland this is one kind of identity i want to articulate through my politics but i also i also feel that you know there are social sensibilities the, the social capital uh, which is which is being worked out uh, which is the uh, also a com- you know combines with the political and the economic for example and therefore the new identity that will emerge is also a new you know identity uh, which combines all of these you know technology what about technology for example you know if you go to uh, the us today uh, or the or to england an indian is a techie that's very interesting the so the stereotype is that the indian is a techie uh, I lived in England in the in the 90s uh, when I was doing my doctoral research, and uh, no one would have thought that Indian is a techie. They would say in England they would say, "Oh, are you from Uganda? Uh, are you are you from Kenya? I mean, are you those ones who were thrown out by Idi Amin Dada and others?" So you know, identity uh, is, is is essentially very political, but it's also very now technologically driven. So uh, you know, a new identity is being formed. And it's up in flux. That's number one. Number two is also the fact that you know we are living in a more globalized world, uh, which is much more complicated than a cosmopolitan world. You know, it, the Bhadrulok went to England, Bilitekache. You know, went to England, came back, barrister, uh, scientist, whatever, etc. That is what that was one kind of journey but today's journey is very different in a, in a globalized world identities are impacted by things which we don't easily see in front of us but we somehow you know uh, mimic you know there's a similar cry as we would say we're sitting in our you know drawing room and 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 watching uh, an american soap you know so so it's it's very difficult to say what is the core of the identity yes but and the what identity will what will emerge, yeah, what will especially with yeah, the new yeah. technology and artificial intelligence and etc etc but that right. it is in the flux uh, 
and that it is that, not going to be the old story is what we can be certain about. Yes, that cannot be denied. Right. Right. Mr. Roy, please. Yeah. Um, I don't have very much to add to that, uh, which I think um, uh, has summed it up very nicely. All I will say is that, um, you know, sometimes when we do discussions around Bhadra Loki, it is easy, easy to beat up on them because they form such a prime yes. target, you know, the Bhadra Loki <laughs> falling, you know, and and the mud mud from the world aside now coming on the spotless starch duty is a very sort of tempting image. And to, and to go back to um, your uh, original question also yeah definitely i think some of what you know the fact that the opposition has been in power here has led to these uh, certain arguments about how bengalis were regarded some people would have would say that there are they were too snooty they were too conceited uh, others would say oh i i think they're too intellectual and all of that all of which are huge broad brush arguments you know there are all kinds of bengalis as there are all kinds of everything else but i think um, the biggest thing in terms of the the role of the Vajraluk and whether it is declining. I think the Vajraluk is still powerful, but I, the danger sometimes in this discussion is to think of it as a fossil and it doesn't necessarily have to be a fossil because the Vajraluk was indeed the agent of enormous change that happened in, in Bengal. A lot of what has been triggered, you know, in, in a, it's funny because in some ways, when you look at the 19th century and early 20th century, the enormous change that came about here was because of the Bhadralok. And now, because of the way tides turn, the Bhadralok is often seen as the, the conservative person who is clinging, clinging on to the past and refusing to change with the time. So that is, I think, the ultimate sort of irony of the Bhadralok. Yes, yes. Right. So on this note, Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Roy. Thank you very much, Professor uh, Mukhopadhyay. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much, Shiv, for having us.